The man who moves a mountain begins by carrying away small stones. So that's a quote from the Analects attributed to the Chinese philosopher Confucius. And I'm John Fanning, and this is the Create with John Fanning podcast. How's it going? I uh, hope you're all doing well out there, wherever you are. Uh, so this is episode 20 of my series of episodes on the imagination based around my book, Create. Last time I spoke about mentors and the idea of how talent borrows and genius steals. And basically how mentors, even dead ones, or especially dead ones, can be a door to inspiration by copying and learning again and again from those who've gone before us in order to embrace the imagination and move towards creation, not away from it. And as I said before, you may not find too many mentors, but when you find even one, they can really inspire you and enthuse you with passion and positive madness because in the end, mentors are friends. They're there when you're down or dejected, uh, whether it's rejection or just having a hard time doing what it is that you're trying to do or whatever other wall is stopping you from creating. So today I want to talk about something that's very much attached to apprenticeship, uh, to a creative practice, to, to the journey or being the journeyman or woman of learning your craft. And that's quite simply work. And because if you don't work at what you're into, moving the mountain uh, and doing it stone by stone, then you can never thrive at what you love or strive to mastering what you love. Uh, things I talked about a lot in the last episode. So works and work become one because the works will not come without the work. <laughs> so in, when we create, when we first draft our creation, it's most of the time not fully formed. You know, you can have a lot of it there, but it needs to be worked on. It needs to be sculpted or edited or um, just re-harnessed because it has come out of the enthusiastic madness and blindness of inspiration, something that allows us to see something different, ironically, but... So the creation comes out of this this eater world or unconscious or from emotions and impulses or spirit, whatever you want to call it. But from that, one, one thing leads to another. And personally, for me, it, it can be one word going into another or leading into another or a phrase or a sentence or a scene going into another. So for an artist, she could be simply following the movement of the brush on the canvas. And so this is what you could call um, a primary sta flow state. And that primary flow state is what brings us joy when we create. And it's, you know, it's very seductive. Um, it's oftentimes the fun part, or some would see it as the, the healing part 
of bringing our imagination into this or, or jumping into our imagination so it's 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 mysterious because out of nowhere the book or the painting or the sculpture has appeared but when it appears then there's another form of work that starts the work of thinking or the work of reason so the the questions arrive so do i need to work more on this or or this part of this work that i've that's come to me or that you've created so does this need to go or does that need to be expanded upon or so that's the process so obviously here i'd like to there's something i'd like to clarify because work work is work it's from a different perspective as opposed to just doing the work or the, the creating itself um, and that flow state into that kind of mind state of trying to um, craft your work afterwards so work itself is work uh, not a job so uh, it's just a distinction a job is what you do in order to do your own to do your own work as such Usually a job earns money and pays the rent and all that other stuff. So your work, your creative work, you know, sometimes it could pay the rent and all that other stuff, but most of the time it will not always pay it. And depending on what it is you're into, uh, that will not happen after a few days or weeks. Um, ostensibly, most creators only start to make money creating after years and oftentimes decades. And, you know, some people get lucky. And some people meet the right person at the right time. But the majority of the time, that idea of um, the work being a job, it's not often the way. So the contemporary myth that you can make money from your work after a degree or a few years creating is simply not true for, for, for the majority of people. So, yes, there are those that win, you know, say in my world, the, the literary lottery and... <laughs> get some kind of high six figures for a novel or those who are you know creating a play or a show on Broadway you know they might get that first show on in Manhattan but for most creators this is not the case and to get a living wage from the arts from creating will take time uh, a lot of it most of the time so your work again not your job is what feeds your soul um your job is what feeds feeds your feeds your children <laughs> and yourself so by apprenticing yourself as i said in the last episode either to this idea of gladwell malcolm gladwell's ten thousand hours or a guild of old medieval times from seven to ten years by going through that apprenticeship into becoming a journeyman or a journey woman um to someday hopefully becoming a master, the one that makes really good money, that that takes time. It just takes time. So in the interim, make sure the work is the reward itself. So that whole idea of the journey and the destination so that the, uh, the work that you do is the, is, is the process, is the is the reward not the the destination or goal so if you only think of the destination then the creative journey will just be lost to you 
the 10 to 20 years or five years or whatever it is will be lost to you. You won't have enjoyed it. Your work will will test you, you know. Uh, it has to. Otherwise, how would you be learning or getting better? Again, the work is not your job, but this doesn't mean you, you can't be creative in your job too. So, like I love renovating old buildings. I, th I think it's fun uh, a lot of the time. <laughs> Sometimes it can be a right pain in the posterior but uh some people love it even more than i do uh, but that's their primary work um my primary work would be creating novels so the important thing is to understand the distinction between your work and your job and you can love your job but it's not always your work and vice versa so it's kind of being clear on first principles of what 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 we're talking about so it you know, we were inspired by so many of the people that came to us at our uh, retreat. Uh, for any of you coming to the podcast on this episode, we found a writers and artists retreat and then in the set of France. And a lot of the creative people that came would give us different ideas of what work is and, and how to approach it. And one of those was, that's very memorable to me, was a, former muser who, he was a landscape architect and a photographer uh, from Oregon. And he approached his life very much like his work, um, like the large gardens he creates. And he, he talked about how he turns the dirt over here and spreads compost over there. And he, yeah, he does it all at different times and there's a process to it. And he trims the hedges on this project and spreads some seeds on the other one you know so he does a little of this and that you know he water over here and weed over there so over a period of time he enjoys watching his projects uh, his works grow but all at different times and at different rates and but the the the, the most important thing that i got from it was that you have to be consistent and you can't have expectations that one thing is going to grow immediately because every type of creation is different and every creator is different and we all work in different creative climates. So what was inspirational about that creator from Oregon was that he organizes his life much in the same way. So he, he gardens certain things and he knows that when he works on one thing, it, it's, it, it mightn't, be of benefit to him for four or five years. So he says different facets of his life are consistently tended to and allowed to take their own shape depending on on their climate, you know. Um, you know, there's, a, there's an American writer called Stephen Pressfield. Uh, I've enjoyed many of his books. You know, the War of Art is a great book. And, you know, he wrote, wrote a really good novel called The uh, Gates of Fire. Um, and uh, but he, there's one book he wrote called Do the Work. So, just I completely agree with the title, but uh, just what what he that basic uh, a command, but you know, word of advice, you know, yet you have to do the work. It's like this podcast, I have to put in the work over time and I have to be consistent, I have to put the research in. Um, and I have to plan it, and then I have to edit my thoughts, and these thoughts and 
and plans grow and they change and they evolve because the work always evolves but the time spent on it does not change it's consistent so you know every two weeks there's a new episode so for Pressfield every year or two there's a new book for me there's a new book every couple of years as well so and that comes out of putting in the work so Pressfield would never have finished a book if he didn't plant his posture at his desk every day for a specific amount of time to do the work so for myself I wouldn't be up to this episode what are we now number 20 um if I hadn't planned my planned it and then planted my posterior on a seat too and entered the private space to get inspired and work on what comes to make it better work on the work but you can't work on the work if you're not putting in the work putting in the time and being consistent about it so you know uh, here in Maine like I love the way work ends at four for a lot of places in Maine so yes they might start at six or seven but they end at three or four so they they have time to live um, and that's a work ethic and every place has its different work ethics. And I'm not saying you have to create for that long every day, but there has to be a work ethic. Otherwise, the creation literally cannot come. It can't appear because you're not putting in, you're not building the bricks um, of your creation. You can't have that, that. You can't have your creative building unless you put in the time. So, and a lot of that's just hard work. So, you know, if you paraphrase somebody like Thomas Edison, he'd say something like 99% perspiration and 1% inspiration. And, of course, a lot of time we're going chasing that 1% inspiration because that's where the joy lies a lot of the time. But, you know, the perspiration and the crafting can become fun too. If you see it as fun and enjoy the journey, not the destination of it, getting it done the end it can become difficult and frustrating when you're at the very very end but um it's just work it's just part of the process and there's an artist there's an american artist chuck close has the same kind of an understanding what he calls his way of operating where he equates creativity with a work ethic um and there's a quote that uh, that lady on brain pickings, um, Maria Popova, which is a very good blog, by the way, um, she quotes him saying, uh, inspiration is for amateurs. The rest of us just show up and get to work. So this, this, this idea of work, though, it reminds me of um, a story about my, my daughter. When, when she was nine years old, I was listening to her player cello you know, I was really enjoying it, and so she was getting well into it, because um, she gets well into her cello, which is great. Um, but she, then she stopped, and she really surprised me by pausing for a moment. She kind of just looked out uh, the window all pensively and, and sa- until she said, uh, Dad, you know, Mozart wrote his first symphony when he was my age. So she just kind of, like, discovered this. She figured it out, like it came to her. And... She was smiling and all excited. And 
I was in my head. I was going, how do I approach this? Um, because Mozart was a workaholic, you know. When he was 20 years old, his hands were deformed because he worked so hard. He was completing works right before they had to be performed just to keep his family fed. So it was a hard thing to uh, uh, make that moment a, a learning lesson as such. So I told her he was a very hard worker and sometimes you have to work very hard to get things like Mozart did uh, done or created. So again, this might sound facile, but you, you've got to do the work. And you, you want to be a painter, you have to paint. If you want to be an architect, you have to design. And if you want to be a mechanic, you have to repair. So you do the work, make the mistakes, and then repeat the process. On some day there'll be a painting or a house or a car standing in front of you that you're proud of until you do the work again and create another one. Uh, hopefully an even better one. So creators use inspiration, but for the most part, it's, it's this kind of Edisonian perspiration. You have to put your ass on the seat or in front of the easel. Prodigies like Mozart are rare, but even prodigies work hard. So your work ethic doesn't have to be like Mozart's, but there has to be one. We can be just as persistent as long as we remain balanced, allowing ourselves to daydream and play too, but being consistent in our persistence towards the goal of, you know, moving that Confucian mountain uh, stone by stone to get where we need to go. So, yes, we all have to work for the man at some stage unless we're independently wealthy, you know, and there are creators that are and have been that. And yes, it can be exhausting when it's not, uh, the treadmill that is, but what you create can also help you through your day job as such. So I suppose what I'm trying to say is don't don't let your day job define you. Uh, my wife Kerry didn't want to be defined by her job when she was working in magazines, and so she didn't want didn't stay working um, until very late at night uh, as much as she could. But uh, at the same time, it, when she did, she didn't allow that to stop her from writing. So she'd get up at five in the morning, write, and then run. So she chose not to go to parties. So when she'd get home, she would relax and um, get a good night's sleep so she could get up at five to do her creative uh, work. And so if she did go to parties, she was very selective. So again, to do the work means being selective with our time, which means being persistent and focused. And you don't have to create what you love all day long. It can simply be a couple of hours out of every week uh, over a period of time. You know, it could be 15 minutes every day, half an hour. But at least you're putting in the work, doing the work. This does, it does, it doesn't mean you have to work all the time, basically. It, it, it reminds me of a, a very wise business friend of mine. He once told me a story about a, an acquaintance of his who was a CEO of a really big uh, French company. 
And um, he was asked once, he was telling him how he was asked once by a journalist, how can you take the whole month of August off and still get so much work done? How can you be so uh, creative and make so much money for the company? And his response was, I do 13 months of work in 11, but I could never do 13 months in 12. So our book, our work, sorry, is uh, much better if we play, if we have downtime. So, you know, you can overwork a work. So if you go through the creative, inspirational, mad, enthusiastic um, part of the work and then you keep looking at it and keep honing away at it immediately after it's come to you you could end up destroying it so writers a lot of time they they come out with something and then they just leave it and they have a resting period for it as such and it's the same with so many different creative worlds or fields so our work is better if we play in between the creation if we have downtime or allow to the creations to have downtime so that we can come back to them with fresh eyes. And companies do the same thing, like Google and that other company, 3M, um, as well as many other companies. They are beginning to understand this now. So they make sure that their workers have downtime, uh, but that they do their work too when they're supposed to be working. But they know that if they give them downtime, that they can then come back with new ideas that makes them more profitable and so again this is comes back to consistency again you have to be consistent about the amount of time that it is that you spend creating and if you do x on one day then do the same the next day and just continue to do that it doesn't matter how much time that is and so uh yeah, there's another thing too. Can you allow yourself basically to 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 be joyful? Uh, maybe that sounds crazy, uh, but think about it for a second. What are you going to lose by doing the work you love doing for you too? Just like you do the work you do for the man. Yes, you might come home tired and frustrated and exhausted, but you know how how is it going to make you feel when you actually do your work will it actually make you feel better even after that exhaustion instead of watching tv or going on the blue screen so it it could be it could be a laugh to respect your dreams and follow your own feelings you know and then 30 years from now will you be more upset that you didn't make the effort to at least try to create what you love so potential is one thing and doing is is another and we learn by doing by making mistakes and with time we get better that's work and as i said so many times in the first half of of this podcast we build many walls uh, not to do creative work and one of the biggest ones would be uh, I can't abandon my family or my job or, or the damn phone that keeps pinging here in the background. <laughs> you know, um, there's so many distractions uh, and excuses and walls that draw us away from. <laughs> can't believe that damn thing was pinging. But anyway, 
Um, it's, I'm going to leave it in here, I think. Uh, well, I never edit these things. I just go straight in when I'm doing a podcast anyway, or an episode. So it's not about one or the other. It's about uh, routine and starting small. It's not about giving up one thing for another. It's about adapting and adopting to whatever it is your life is. I'm not saying it's easy, but you have to start and you can start small. There's a great example of this that um, it's that wonderful short story writer, Alice Munro. Uh, she used to write in her laundry room in between the washes <laughs> and the meals and raising her children. And these moments uh, became minutes and then they added up into paragraphs and ideas and eventually into stories. And those stories became collections or books. And those books became so important that they awarded her a Nobel Prize. So she created what she could with what she had. So again, we have to adopt and adapt. And you don't need a recording studio to record your songs. Like I'm recording this podcast in my bedroom <laughs> with a with a mic and a and a and a computer. So it's not you don't have to have you know the walls, all those walls that I talked about in the last or the first half of this pod. Oh, bloody things pinging again <laughs> um, in the first. Uh, uh, section of this podcast the walls want a recording studio in Nashville where you don't get telephones pinging and you've got a fancy studio you know or a writing office at the end of the garden where you know it's uh, got beautiful light or wonderful desk or or a huge white studio in in the garage uh, to do your painting so it's just Creation wants consistency, so to allow inspiration to appear. You don't need a bleeding studio or a, you know, it could be a laundry room like Alice Munro. And to allow inspiration to appear and to allow that inspiration to be worked on again the next day or the day after that. And there is another distinction, you know, this um, work is a frame of mind too. You know, a carpenter or a mason who goes to work as a drudge or not, uh, are not there. It's not the same as the carpenter or mason who goes to work because they love doing their job. They love making cabinets. I work with guys like that every day. They love doing what they're doing. They actually love making kitchens. Um, so, and then on the other ones that they just hate it. And so one guy is having a really good journey doing what he's doing and the other one's not. So again, that goes back to doing what you love, but work as a frame of mind. Um, it, it doesn't have to be a day job. We can get joy out of something like that as well. Um, not necessarily all jobs, of course, but then... Uh, when they're loving doing what they're doing, then they're being creators. When they build a house or a kitchen or a chair or a wall, they're creating. They're not working. But it is the work. That's their work. For the other person, it's a job. So um, getting back to that idea of time, there is, there's no set amount of work that has to be done. Like X amount of plays or poems or 
paintings. Like Shakespeare didn't say, well, I'm going to write X amount of tragedies and X amount of comedies. He just wrote what he wrote. He did the work. He wrote nearly every day. He, he must have. He must have been consistent. I don't know. Never met the guy. I don't think anybody's documented anything about his work ethic. But I'm sure Blake uh, would have been the same way. I, I'm sure he didn't think, oh, I'm going to write the songs of innocence and experience. And then he wrote the poems. Um, no, he wrote the poems. And then they became the collection that became the songs of innocence and experience. He did his work. And it became what it became. So, doing the same thing every day, over time, can be it can be very productive. And irrespective of how little or how much it is that you do, once it is you're doing what you love and you focus on bringing up what it is that you really love into what it is that you create. So, work every day if you can or five days a week find some consistent work ethic that is yours to and be focused and focused this is something i'll talk about in the next episode but if you're focused on the work and work consistently then the creation appears the book appears uh, the podcast appears the project gets done and the imagination mysteriously steps into reality in front of you as something that you've created this creation um so that's what i wanted to talk about today uh, thanks for listening uh, i started with a quote from a chinese philosopher but as I was, as I always do, I'm gonna I'm gonna end this episode with an Irish proverb, and this one literally means work is better than talk. <laughs> so, is far, Blair not kind. Is far, Blair not kind. So, this podcast is supported by you the listener uh view my patreon page and if you want to support it and uh just go to patreon.com uh, forward slash john fanning and excuse me if you can afford it then just give me the cost of a you know the cliche cup of tea or a pint once a month uh to have with the production of this thing and if you can't afford it that's fine too you know just listen for free but do subscribe like be 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 helpful um if you're into what it is or that i've said any of these episodes then just try and write something on itunes or wherever it is that you're listening to it and and or just tell friends about it tell family or whoever it is you'd be think think would be into it send them the link and share it you know because that's why I'm doing this thing. I'm doing this to be of service to help people so they don't have to go through the the, the kind of nightmarish discovery path that I had to go through. And So, yeah, so thanks for listening. And if you want to get in contact with me through all that social 
stuff like Instagram, Twitter. You can just go to my website. That's johnfanning.me. And uh, podcasting is under the tab podcast, of course. And so, again, it's been great sharing stuff with you today. And until next time, take care out there and do the work. (laughs) But above all, uh, be benevolent when you can. So, shall I live? August Canarian Boherlif.